everyone, John Wertheim here. It is this week's Sports Illustrated slash Tennis Channel Tennis Podcast. We are live at the All England Club, and our guest is Tim Henman. Tim, of course, is a former top five player, a four-time semifinalist here at Wimbledon, member of the All England Club, and I would say the figure who might be most closely associated with this place. Uh, he is very active in the tournament, BBC commentator, but also behind the scenes, and this is a nice conversation we just had on the terrace. Bit of uh, talk about the big three and their dominance, and and some tennis shop talk as well. So uh, here's Tim before the men's semis at Wimbledon 2019. We have uh, three familiar names in the men's semifinals. We all stand there at awe. We all recite the statistics. But yeah. go, go deeper. What What is it that has enabled these three guys to remain these titans? I, th- I, think one, uh, I think one element that isn't talked about so much is their defensive skills and and you know they have uh, great weapons they play consistently at such a high level but it's it's often how well they defend and and are able to you know stay in rallies and uh, nullify their opponents best shots and and their athletic ability the way they move their balance I, I commentated on the Dahl yesterday against Query and um, you know it, it's phenomenal how how well he moves from the back of the court his footwork um, when he's able to stay in points I think being a lefty when he hits that sort of looping forehand cross court deep into the backhand side um, they are just they're at a different level people talking about the next generation where, where is the um, next generation? The next generation is trying very hard it's not through lack of effort but they are uh, there, there is a significant divide between the top three and, and the next generation. What do you think that does to the rest of the field? It should motivate them. And I, I think it does. I think they, they, I think everybody's aware that these three are um, perhaps three of the greatest male players of, of all time. So it's not as if they're saying, oh, this is an easy opportunity. They should be stepping up and, and winning these big titles. Um, that's, that's just not the case. I was sort of saying the other day... Um, it would be much easier to quantify if they were 100 meter sprinters because you would say these top three are running it in nine and a half seconds right, and everyone else is ten right, and a half right, so right. unless something happens unless they slow down and the other speed up that gulf is 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 not going to be um breached it's uh it's pretty remarkable it, it is this, yeah and, and they uh, i was doing some radio yesterday and uh, um russell fuller um quoted rafa from um from about five years ago, saying, you know, this generation, i.e., the, the the top three, they're not they're not going to be around much longer. Oh, and, is that right? Yeah, and uh, and all of a sudden, here we are. Yeah, I was going to say, we, uh, you remember when when Federer lost here? I don't know, twenty fourteen, mm. and it was the vultures were circling and Definitely. couldn't just be. Did yeah. he wave extra long because he knew this was the last time he saw <laughs> center court? <laughs> it is. It's amazing what you can read into when you're sort of fishing for a story. He, and um, there's been, you know, there's been a couple of moments, I think, for, for all of them. Um, Federer, obviously, when he had the knee injury and then he lost the Raonic here, he took the remainder of the year off. How's he going to come back from right, six months right. off? Rafa has had those uh, those periods when, um, whether it's been his knees or his or his wrist, how he is he going to bounce back? And then, um, you know, Djokovic the same had, uh, you know, issues off the court, had his elbow surgery, and uh, look at him. They've now. all come back better than ever. 
Uh, good tournament over. Oh, you know what? Tell people what you do. You're yeah on the grounds. You are omnipresent, and you're so commentating. from my from my tournament point of view. Um, we have our main board that I sit on, and then we have different subcommittees. So you might have health and safety, or ticketing, or um, or tennis, and I chair the tennis subcommittee. So um, I'm leading on wild cards, order of play, um, roof protocol, those types of things that are discussed throughout the year and obviously become live live during the tournament. So um, that's that's the, the tennis element. And then I'm working for uh, the BBC for these two weeks and then eight days at the World Tour Finals. So those are just the two events I do television for. Um, and, um, and then I also... Uh, do a sort of a bit of ambassadorial work with HSBC, Rolex, and Jaguar. This is uh, it's a good time. It's busy, busy good, days busy, for you. But what, what is it like when the, the circus comes into your town? This is uh, 52 yeah. weeks a year, and then yeah. here we've got these two weeks when it actually happens. What is yeah. it like? Everyone comes to your house. It's amazing, yeah. it's it's. Uh, I mean, there's an enormous amount of preparation. I mean, the, the joke is that preparation starts the day after the tournament is finished, right. and, and that is because it is such a... It's such a um, big production. There's 240 full-time executives. Um, there's, you know, a master plan that's that is one master plan is coming um, to a conclusion with the. See, the roof has been done. The indoor courts across the road will start to be demolished pretty much straight after this. Is that right? Um, yeah, and that's probably a 18-month project to be ready for 2021 championship. So that's six new indoor courts, six outdoor courts underground parking for 350 cars and there's already a tunnel under the road that's that's on the other side no that's on this side that's on this side yeah. what, what are we doing with the golf course on the other so side so yeah now that's another master plan that is um, started to to be worked through um, I think your your the first priority would be qualifying there um, to have would you, would you move matches there like the way the I, French I think, Open did well I think the... I think you know you've got to look at all aspects you know the the you know, if you had a if you had a uh, a blank piece of paper, you'd probably say you'd like to move the road. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, yeah, it's that's, a good way to look at that it. Yeah, is, exactly. That's a challenge, but um, definitely to incorporate. We have uh, forty acres on this site. Right. The, the golf course is eighty acres, um, so we're not not going to be able to, you know, develop, you know, um, huge stadiums over there. But you know, there's got to be that. Um, you can make use of that. For yeah, more than, uh, exactly. I mean, you know, would you say? A tube station so that you know all the spectators the majority of spectators arrive on site and right. then um but that that is that's probably that's a fun though, right? 80, yeah it's i mean a, it's a huge opportunity and there's there's the you know the vision and, and the desire to keep improving what uh we have you to thank for no 24 22 in the fifth set matches thank you for that yeah i think so i mean th th there's two elements to that um I I'm very happy that there is a finish line. Um, I, I think when you looked at what happened with Anderson Isner, there was the real concern that would would there be no, a final. Nobody won for that. Nobody yeah. um, nobody would have uh, benefited if he if Anderson wasn't able to come back and, and compete. I would also say um, the optics of four the four majors all finishing final sets differently. I don't think it's a good one. You don't. And we no, I don't. Uh, I I and we are part of that problem um but you know can that communication you want, you want me to uh you want me to play devil's advocate yeah, on yeah, that? Go for it. first of all it's we haven't had a single 12-all match 
and I think the Australian Open we had, had one doubles in double yeah, singles, in singles, singles yeah, we have done yeah. one. The Australian I think had three. Yeah. Different surfaces, different parts of the world. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's such a small percentage of matches. Sure, and that's certainly why when we looked at 12 all, when Anderson beat Federer last year, 13-11 in the fifth, no one said we want a tie break. Yeah, good so, point. Yeah, so you therefore, made a, yeah, you hit a threshold. 12 yeah. all, you say that's six sets in the men's. You know, right. if you haven't got a winner by that stage, then it's probably time to play a tie break. So I do like that balance, but I just think the optics of it, when if you're a, a fan and you're watching these different events and you're not quite sure of you How, know, when yeah, the, the finish, finish line, line is, is, is it a 10-point yeah. tie break? Is it a 7-point tie break? Is it an advantage set? Is it 12-all? Anyway, so, it, it is it is what it is, but I, I know because I spend a lot more time in the referee's office now and, and understanding the impact that those very long matches can have on the schedule if someone's playing singles and doubles. Um, it, it's, it's a lot more relaxed now when you get a, a long fifth set. This, uh, final set. I mean, we, we have a similar version of this in television where if you show Rafa, people say, how come you're not doing Roger and if yeah, the women yeah. go first they say how come the men have to wait if the men go first you say the women are getting second class yeah, I don't, yeah. the, the scheduling is just a, it's a challenging conundrum is yeah it is and and I think um, you know uh, every decision that, that, that Wimbledon make uh, a lot of thought goes into it but you also have to understand that that sometimes you'll make someone happy and someone unhappy and that goes with the territory. You, you, you know, again, it would be great if we could play four matches a day on centre court and court one. We can't do that because of the surface. You know, right. it has to be protected. Um, and and you know, three and three can be but, can be challenging. But if my if my math is right, there were more women's matches played so far this tournament on yeah. the show courts. Singles matches. Singles matches. Yeah. yeah. Of course. So um, before yesterday, there'd been twelve men's, twelve women's singles on centre. Right. There'd been eight men's matches and seventeen women's singles matches on court. One. So, seventeen um, women's on to eight men's. Yeah, on court one. Is the ATP so huge, uh, huge inequality? Be, exactly. <laughs> is this inequality uh, been lost on the ATP? Yes. Yeah. Um, you're talking about consistency. The the one that gets me every time. I don't know if you have feelings about this. Is the the USTA's strange and perplexing and, and fairly intense push for on court coaching? Yeah. Uh, thoughts on that yeah it's um it's something that i feel extremely strongly about um i wrote uh, before the french open to 30 players and ex-players um really to um you know get some some more opinions from people that have actually played the game and uh i haven't had one i probably had a dozen 12 to 15 replies um from players and ex-players and i hadn't had one person uh, male or female supporting the notion that on-court coaching is good for our sport is that is the one unique characteristic is that when you're on the field of play you've got to work it out for yourself and and uh, you know at this championships um, we've had some unbelievable matches both men and women some great storylines and and um, I don't think in any way uh, to have a coach walking on the court or shouting from the the, the sidelines would add value they, but they all do it. That's 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 centrally been. Like, so I checked this morning to right. see if there had been, um, and in the women's there'd been uh, three coaching violations, all in doubles. And, in and doubles, I, oh, <laughs> I found that quite we, interesting. We've had, two, we've had uh, I think, two hundred fifty-one, two hundred fifty-one singles matches so far. Yes, 
And, You're telling me. Uh, uh, so does coaching go on? I'm not going to sit here and deny that, you know, if they, if the encouragement of clapping and, you know, a call of move your feet, is that coaching? I would say it is coaching. Uh, is it difficult um, to sort of stamp out an entirety? Absolutely. But is that going to have a massive impact? I don't think it is so much. But a coach walking on the court or a po coach holding up signs, giving signals before every point. I, I think it would be well, or, horrific. Or coming on and, and yelling exactly. yelling yeah. in uh, Russian In to a the different player. language that, that yeah. you know, not many people understand. Um, so I, I'm, you know, I know Wimbledon are absolutely categoric. They are um, completely against and, and listening to a lot of other people, I think that, that feeling is, is, um, is across the board. So if you were, if you were thinking about a change in other majors were categorically against it mm. Would, wouldn't that cause you to uh think long and hard about proceeding i mean is, is there a solidarity among the majors of well i don't think there is uh, at the moment because the usda are, uh seem like they've been keen to implement obviously their uh their their rhetoric changed because um they had requested with the itf to have um, perhaps the opportunity of on-court coaching in the main draw events and then that seems to have been withdrawn but that does um, seem to have been withdrawn. yeah and, and it's oh. so I, I'm not 100% sure exactly where they stand but I absolutely categorically know where the All England stand and, and where I stand it does seem like this relationship among the majors is something that uh, I think it needs sometimes work. perplexes yeah. Yeah. I think it needs work and, and from my point of view with my role at Wimbledon is something that I want to get more involved in and uh, you know we have um, a lot of expertise around our, our boardroom um, and I'd like to think that my expertise in tennis is, is in tennis and so this is the landscape that I want to be more involved in and I think there are other tennis people at the other slams who want to be involved in that dialogue and, and, and I think that can only be a good thing. I think when tennis people are around the table talking about tennis issues that can only be good for the, the sport. If there are lots of people that have never played the game around the table and that includes the ITF who are making trying to make decisions for the sport when they've never played the game I don't support that uh, alright finally we've got uh, two more rounds to go men and women yeah. good, good event so far overall very good yeah, yeah. I, th I think there's been um, a real cross section of stories um, a lot of upsets in the men's early doors with uh, Zverev Tsitsipas team all, all losing um, the big three showing their dominance um, but again uh, you know going back to the Coco Gorf scenario we don't always we don't always get it right but uh, you know that one was was on our radar um, you know quite a long time in advance probably through the help of, of teammate and Tony Godsick um, made you aware but, of that yeah uh, exactly and, and so following her results and, and looking at the other options um, we were very happy to, to give her that opportunity and um, you know it was it was a, a little bit of a, a step into the unknown but having looked at her past results and seen the level she was playing um, it was amazing to see her you know sort of breeze through qualifying won her last round one on one against the top seed <laughs> and then drawn against Venus so that's been an incredible story uh, for Wimbledon and I think she's going to continue to be an amazing story for our sport. Do you want to weigh in on how often she should play or should we leave that for... Uh, no, I, I think just balance, you know, um, looking at, uh, um, you know, her mentally and physically, uh, just just to remain patient. She's going to be a, um, she's going to be an incredible player. She doesn't need to rush it. But 
she's got great people around her. Um, I spoke to her parents on, on several occasions, and then, you know, with the likes of of Tony and um, you know, their you, you do feel like there's a real infrastructure there. And yeah, nobody's using her as their ATM no, machine. No, 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 exactly. They they can look long term. This yeah, right. isn't some. This isn't sort of make hay while the sun shines. Exactly. This is this is going to be a you know a huge career, and she's got to make sure that you know she doesn't push herself too much to get injuries and have setbacks, but. Um, it's going to be exciting Sun, to watch. Sunshine's till 37 now. Yeah, um, yeah. It was great. You're entirely too uh, reasonable and rational to be uh, involved <laughs> in tennis policy making. But uh, well, thanks. No, no, it's a pleasure. We'll, we'll keep in touch. All right. Thanks to our guest, Tim Henman. Always good talking with Tim. Uh, that will do it for this week's podcast from Wimbledon, the All England Club. Enjoy the final few matches, and we will have a new guest next week. Thanks for listening. Keep the guest suggestions coming. You can subscribe and leave a review wherever podcasts are sold. Have a good week, everyone, and we'll do it again in seven days.